You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Uh, coach, this, I'm sorry, this is an awkward way to bring you on the show, <laughs> but he's a brand new coach of the... Featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian Hey, welcome to the program presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Thanks to her. You got Lars and you got Matt and you got Joe and uh, Christian will be along in a little bit here. Um, Lars, I'm just going through my list of things, my little checklist here as I do every morning and then into the afternoon to see what we should lead with. Certainly, uh, Jokic is just unbelievable. But... Uh, <laughs> In, in lieu of uh, where I think our audience, our target audience is, I'm very intrigued by what's going on in Amelia Island. That's where the ACC spring meetings are. And it has immediately surfaced that if they could possibly work out of their contracts, there may be as many seven ACC members that would like to seek membership elsewhere, which that would just, that'd be the end of the ACC and the start of another ACC. I, I don't know how they would handle it. But, but I think the, the issue that they brought up that I find incredibly intriguing is revenue incentives. I've never even thought about the possibility, but this would be incentives from the, from the entire conference's revenue to teams that win. I've got lots of problems with that, Lars. I don't know about you. Uh, yes. Look, what is going on is, uh, is pretty bizarre. Uh, and it just, it's a state of confusion, right? Um, this is supposed to be a quiet part of the college sports calendar. Um, but man, it is it's gotten a major jolt out of, uh, these, uh, spring meetings and, I think this is setting the stage of, uh, of, of, of of conference realignment. More conference realignment is coming, and it's like daily reports. And so what we what we've heard is that the seven schools, Clemson, Florida State, Virginia, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, North Carolina State, and Duke, are looking for ways to break uh, the league's grant of rights agreement. And that basically just binds binds these schools to the ACC via media rights. And it gives uh, the league permission to broadcast their games in exchange for revenue from the TV partners. And leaving uh, and leaving it would cost uh, exit fees of more than a hundred million per school. Uh, And they'd have to forfeit revenue in subsequent years and the deal runs through 2036. 
Um, and then uh, we had David Hale, who's a, a terrific reporter uh, for ESPN, who covers the ACC. He reported that one athletic director told him that every school has reviewed the grant of rights agreement to test its ability to hold up against this mass exodus from the league. And they're not sure. <laughs> um, and uh, they're, they're not sure what what can happen if these seven uh, schools, excuse me, these six schools, um, if they sort of uh, form this alliance and and really look to, to get out of it, um, I mean, as it currently stands, uh, every school in the league shares revenues equally. Uh, but there are some, as you mentioned at the top, Matt, there are some schools in the ACC that want to uh, incentivize winning. And so that's when the administrators have introduced uh, different models that would give more money to the athletic departments that perform better. Now, what is that gonna cause? That's gonna cause a widening gap between the haves and the have-nots in, in the uh, athletic departments. And, and, in, and, not, and not just in football, we're talking every single sport. Because- I think they're doing it in the reverse, Lars. <laughs> they should incentivize the people at the bottom to try and create right. a better and more competent. I mean, that's not that would never work. But uh, let me say this though: this was trolled out <clears throat> as a topic, and they brought in the different levels and you know the different uh, suggestions that they're going to have to try and create this. Um, I don't think this is happening for years. I think they just kind of rolled it out there. The big deal is on whether or not they're going to lose half their league. Um, but I think to incentivize winning is only going to make the guys that are winning win more. Yeah, they're not. That, that will never go anywhere. You're right. I mean, it's almost not worth talking about. But it is uh, it, it, it's, it's the fact that an alliance has, uh, you know, uh, apparently been formed between these seven schools. And they're the seven best football schools in the league. Clemson, Florida State, Virginia, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, North Carolina State, and Duke. Uh, also the best basketball schools. Um, and so if they can get out of this grant of rights agreement, uh, then it's it's open season, right? They, they, this will cause the disintegration of the ACC. I mean, this, this literally, it's easy to overreact because we're in the moment. But this could be the beginning of the fraying of the thread that unravels the entire ACC conference. Because one, if these seven schools can get out, well, then those are the seven marquee schools of the conference, and they are going to go to uh, the. They're going to look to go to the Big Ten, the uh, the uh, um, SEC, uh, possibly the Big Twelve. And it would be bye-bye ACC, uh, you know, and, and also you just look at, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the television revenue that, that is generated by the ACC is so much lower than it is than the, the, the revenue generated. It's big, the Big Ten generates the most, they, they have the most lucrative deal. And then uh, it's the SEC, and then there's a big fall off to the ACC. Right. And so 
Um, look, this is a, a well thought out. Uh, there's been obviously some uh, back channeling, backroom dealings here. Uh, again, so that these these seven schools have formed what appears to be like this this loose alliance, and uh, it's it's like uh, you know if seven states were to break away from the United States, right? <laughs> and, and, and they and they, and they wanted to like join a more I don't know wanted to go to Canada. Um, it, 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 we'll just see, but but this is a really big deal. This is a big deal, Matt. Um, it is a big deal, uh, and I'm not so sure. And believe me, I'm not an attorney. I didn't sleep in a Holiday Inn Express last night, but I'm not sure. Even attempting to form a seven-team alliance isn't breaking, uh, you know, rules within the ACC either. I know if I were Greg Sankey, I wouldn't want seven teams going behind my back and talking about it. So I think you've got that to deal with. Plus, even if they can, some of the fines that I saw or the penal, the you know. The penalties they would have to pay to get out. Um, I saw one like 100 million per school. That's a lot of money. And the other part of it is, are these seven teams going to be able to generate any kind of a television and media contract that can pay them back, that can pay them what they're getting right now? I don't think so. I think these seven teams better tiptoe lightly. On yeah, and um, and look, Ross Dellinger. Um, uh, he, he's been all over this uh, as well. He's a he's an excellent reporter for Sports Illustrated, and he's reported that these uh, seven schools have met, uh, sort of in in, in, a, in a clandestine, secretive fashion, over the past several months, and they've met with lawyers, right, examining if just how breakable this grant of rights is. And right as as mentioned, the ACC deal runs through 2036, and these schools are just like, man, there's just no way, there's no way we can stick around that long. Um, and so, uh, and, and uh, Brett McMurphy is also reporting that, um, who, who's now with the uh, Action Network, another the, the best college football reporters in the country are 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 reporting this. Uh, so this this is uh, a thing, and um, look, if it's uh, and, and and according to McMurphy, and I, I'll see if I can get him on. I, I'll text him here in a couple minutes. But if this so-called like magnificent magnificent seven, if they were to split off from the ACC, uh, it's being reported that the Big Ten is interested in several of those schools. And the ACC is a possibility of taking one or two. And um, but, you know, before, um, you know, there's certainly obstacles to overcome before they can abandon these these uh, this magnificent seven, seven schools can abandon their contracts with the conference. Right. Again, it goes through 2036. But hey, how long did it take Oklahoma and Texas? to hop over to the SEC and get out of contracts, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, it okay. could happen sooner than you think. Yeah. And so what this is and the, the ultimately the, the direction we're going is two maybe three super conferences loaded with schools. Uh, and, and and everything in sports is evolving at such a rapid pace 
and it, it's just so much different than it was 10 or 15 years ago when change came at a glacial pace, right? But now it's just like uh, it's a, a new volcanic eruption every time there's a conference meeting. And, um, you know, it, it, it'd be interesting to think about where each school would end up going. Uh, and maybe we, we, let's, uh, let's, let's do a little hypothetical on that on the other side, Matt, and, and forecast. If these seven schools were to break away, where would they land? Let's do that on the other side, Matt. Let's do, and I think that the, the SEC would welcome a couple, if not more, with open arms. But is Sankey and the 14, soon to be 16 members, are they ready to make that plunge again? Because we just expanded by two here recently. Would you be willing to expand by two by 2026? I don't know, but it makes great sports talk on Big Noon Sports, brought to you by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. From our home base right here in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. As respected industry leaders, we are here. Working hard for you in an effort to provide you with excellence in sports medicine, excellence in research and education, and excellence in sports injury prevention. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Have 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Occasionally cloudy with scattered showers and thunderstorms around through tonight. The high today 81, tonight's low 64. Similar weather tomorrow. Partially sunny, scattered showers and storms developing by afternoon. The high at 82. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. We really, we need to talk a little baseball and basketball. And that's what we're going to do in addition to, you know, in addition to what we're going to be talking about, what we're talking about right now is what's going on with the ACC and the fact that uh, I guess they could lose seven members here. They form a new conference, but I think there's always great talk in where, if, if the SEC were to expand a little bit, uh, who would be some of the teams that would be a perfect fit? Well, uh, my first two and have been, actually since they started expansion from 10, have been Clemson and Florida State. I think that's a great fit, 
and I think it would be now. Um, they bring everything to the table. Pretty much they bring what um, Oklahoma and Texas do, maybe not to the heritage point, but if it were if they were all to scatter, Lars, I'd take Clemson and Florida State in a heartbeat. Would you take Duke and North Carolina? I don't think so. Just not a strong enough football presence. Now, basketball? I mean, I, I was simply thinking basketball. Yeah, but I— yeah, I'd take them in basketball if they wouldn't have to play football, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, um, North Carolina is not, you know, North Carolina has their moments in football. And, and yeah, do you want to add another Mississippi State? Well, I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, uh, from the basketball standpoint, Lars, I'd have to look at a, a deep dive and I could change my mind on what kind of ad revenue just those two teams would bring into your conference from basketball. Uh, because I mean, you're talking about true top five blue bloods there. Yeah. And I, I agree. I mean, I think number one, they go after Clemson, right? Uh, SEC, speaking of the SEC, you go after Clemson, um, because, uh, you know, just the, the recent success of of the football program, Dabo, uh, and it's, uh, the, the proximity, uh, in, in Florida State as well. So let's just pretend that SEC would only take two. I agree with you. Those, those would be the two. Um, and and then where would Miami end up landing? You know, uh, I that's think, a great question. I, I hadn't really I, thought about it since they're not I, on the I, I think it. I think Miami would be Big Ten simply because the Big Ten, they want – they are more focused on the footprint than any other conference, right? Because uh, now, now they have uh, the LA market with USC, UCLA. They have the the New York market for what it's worth, right? For, with Rutgers, um, and and believe it or not, Rutgers, um, we, we we laugh at, at their ineptitude uh, year in and year out at football, but. They have a substantial following in New York. Yes, they do. And I mean, so, they'll line up the uh, – what did they do a few years ago? They lit the um, Empire State Building up for them. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that was all about that, – that was not about adding quality um, athletic uh, teams to the Big Ten. That was about getting the New York market. And so I could easily see the Big Ten going after Miami. That's right? a good point. And then you get, and uh, and and then um, let's see if they added two. I think they would go after Miami. Uh, the thing is, like, I, I, it's almost like I think, uh, like UNC and Duke almost have to be a package deal. Um, Virginia and Virginia Tech. You think they'd have to be a package deal? Um. Maybe maybe the Big Ten would go after NC State. Um, not sure. And then the Big Twelve would kind of take the sloppy seconds, so or sloppy thirds, I, I guess. Whatever whatever's left over, uh, the Big Twelve would snatch up. And then I think that then would lead to the uh, very quick disintegration of the Pac-12, and within probably five years, he would have uh, three 
super conferences and um that's it would just be a new a new look of of how college football and how college sports were structured so it still looks like we're headed for uh something like three with uh 20. yeah and man there's gonna get there's gonna be some teams that gets squashed out of the equation and Gosh, I wouldn't want to be there with a loss of all the revenue they could with uh, the conferences they're in now. I mean, well, it feels like we're playing a high-stakes game of uh, musical chairs here, right? Because and, – and, and the music is, is running out. Uh, and, and Or, you know, the, the, it, or another metaphor you could use is like the, the Titanic is sinking and there's only so many seats on – on on the uh, on the boat on the safety boats, uh, and everybody's trying to get their spot before uh, they lose their status as sort of like you know being in the premier division because there there may be uh, if you if you, if if we do if we if we say that there's going to be three conferences with twenty teams in each conference so that's sixty teams right. And then there may be sort of like a, a another league that that everybody else plays in. You understand? You know, you know what I? You understand? Yeah, the, the the Roy League. It's like a, a like a one double A league, but it would obviously uh, be higher caliber than that. But um, yeah, I, I and and I think that more that more than anything, this feeling that of inevitability uh, of the march toward the three super conferences is exactly why Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Virginia, and Virginia Tech are looking to leave the ACC as fast as possible so they can latch on to a conference that has long-term stability and um, and, and, and not not uh i i actually thought i mean i i thought the acc was stronger than this frankly um and i thought it would come down to a fight between the acc and the big 12 but i don't think so i i, I think this clearly shows that the power brokers in the acc do not believe in the long-term viability of the conference. That's what it tells me. I mean, I'm just deducing this. This is not based on any reporting or, you know, but the, the, that's what uh, the actions of these seven schools, um, and it would go all the way up to the presidents of the schools, the athletic directors, um, that they, you know, meeting behind the backs of all the other schools uh, with lawyers trying to figure a way out of a, a, a very complicated contract um that's what the, that's what it tells me is that they just again they don't believe that that the acc is going to be sustainable over the long term given how the 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 ground is shifting the the landscape is shifting so fast in college football and they're on shaky ground Right, <laughs> they're uh, they're they're about ready to uh, ha- suffer an earthquake there, and then they want to get to a place of safety, and those places of safety, uh, for certain, are Big Ten, SEC, Big Twelve. You know, uh, 
I find your point about the Big Ten's expansion as far as media market and the footprint very interesting. Um, because, you know, my mind is trained to think of these conferences in certain regions. And I think you can just about throw that away. The SEC is kind of step kept in it. Uh, I consider Oklahoma the Midwest, same with Missouri. But they're at least, you know, we could touch them by two states if that's the rule, whatever the case may be. Yeah. Uh, here, I want to so, throw you this real quick. But just, I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, 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 I, I, that's the way I think of it, too. I think of conferences as by region. But, but the now, Pac-12 is out west. I don't care what you want to tell me. I, um, yeah, I know. But now, I mean, the, the travel logistics – for the Big Ten are going to be substantial. How does uh, a non-revenue generating sport, like let's say women's soccer, then this is not the dog women's soccer. I, I really enjoy watching women women's soccer, but uh, the USC is playing at Rutgers, <laughs> right? Like you know, it, it's a long it, that, bus trip. It, yeah, it is. It is a long a long van ride. You know, uh, a lot of these teams, they literally travel in vans. Uh, or how about the, the, the tennis team, right? Uh, the golf team. Um, I mean, right now I know the golf teams actually play all over the country in different tournaments. But um, it, it, the, the travel budgets are going to go through the roof. Or, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that not, not every – not every athlete's going to be, or every team's going to be flying on charter. Um, no, that's not going to happen. But anyway, uh, that that just pales in comparison to the other issues that are going on. But but certainly travel is one of them. But you're right. I mean, we you can't think of conferences anymore in terms of region. You just can't. And it's all it's hard. I mean, that's that's a habit. That's a habit I've had all my life. It's it's difficult, and you know. I'll be calling the new Las Vegas Raiders or the Raiders. I'll be calling them Los Angeles. And uh, now it looks like the Oakland A's are going to move to Las Vegas. So how am I going to rid myself of that? Um, Anyway, uh, we're going to bring in Bama Central's Chris Walsh on the other side of this break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports right here. T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Finding is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. In Birmingham, Alabama. 
We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. National championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. by a frequent guest from Bama Central Sports Illustrated. Uh, Chris Walsh joins us. <clears throat> we had a massive talk about Sports Illustrated swimsuit issues, so we're not going to put you in that position, okay? <clears throat> <laughs> um, anyway, um, hey, let's talk a little baseball and softball. Um, there were some complaints, I think mostly national, that – Alabama may have gotten a, a break by a number five at home. Um, and maybe they did, but does does that just mean that your history and, and the status of your program counts for a little bit? No, I don't think so in this case because we've seen it go the other way, definitely. And I, I thought it was really, really interesting. Uh, you know, for the past few years, the, the selection committee has gone very – much straight and narrow with the RPI rankings, which I couldn't figure out why they were doing that because all the other sports have gone away from RPI. And, I mean, it was like almost automatic on the, on the top seed. Um, and then this year they decided, you know, they, they shifted. And it was more about strength of schedule and, and you know, um, top 25 wins. And that just really benefited Alabama. Um so I, I don't think it's necessarily uh, program history. I, I'm sure the committee sat there and looked at Montana Bob's a little bit and went, you know, we do want to have the, you know, we we, we do want to give the probably the best pitcher in in softball, you know, a, a chance to go to the World Series. Um, the interesting part for me were some of the other teams that are in Alabama's bracket because uh, you've got. You know what is it? Central Arkansas, I think it is. It's really good team. Um, it's, I think they play an artificial turf, so they couldn't host. And it, it's a surprise team. It's 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 going to be a challenging opponent. So they kind of gave a, a you know, a, I don't want to say a break, but they put them in a bracket where, you know, if Montana can't go uh, for whatever reason they're going to have a chance to go, you know, maybe break through play in a super regional or, or college world series. So that, I think that was more in their thinking, but um, yeah, they got a little bit of a break. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that, but it's, it's still, you got to win your region region regardless and, and get to a super regional. It's just, you know, it's, it's just, it's the same thing in that respect. Chris, the uh, college football story of the day is uh, coming out of the ACC spring meetings. And according to a couple different reporters, um, there are seven schools, 
Clemson, Florida State, Virginia, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, North Carolina, North Carolina State, and Duke that have secretly, uh, behind closed doors, been meeting with lawyers, trying to figure out ways to break the league's grant of rights agreement so they can get the heck out of the ACC. Now, does it, is it an overstatement to say, and, 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 and it's easy to get caught up in the moment, that this could be sort of the first thread of the unraveling of the of all of the of the entire ACC, uh, it, it moving you know five years down the 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 road because it, it seems like the the powerhouse teams or the or the powerhouse athletic department departments have decided that the ACC does not have long term sustainability. Uh, for a variety of reasons, when compared to the SEC and the Big Ten, Do you, is is that how you would sort of view this, or is that a, an overstatement by me? No, I I think it's pretty right on. It's well, first of all, let me say this: if if these schools aren't considering their options, they're stupid, and these are not stupid. You know, there's not stupid people running these schools. It's you know, SEC, Big Ten have stepped up. They're clearly out in front of not only college football, but college athletics. Um, and, you know, this is just, it, it's the pressure is mounting, you know. And if you're ACC, you don't want to be, you know, part of something that's considered second, you know, second tier. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, it's, I think it's smart of them to, to kind of look into it and say, you know, what can we do about this? Um, it may not be much. And, you know, these things, it's its always kind of a, it's a slow process and then all of a sudden it happens quickly kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. So, I, so, yeah, we're kind of, we're kind of beginning to see, I think we're seeing some of the first steps. Yeah. Um, and you look at the PAC 12 and the problems that they're having you know, it's, 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 you know, with their media rights deal and everything, it's USC and UCLA have bolted. Um, and that is definitely now, I think, kind of a second tier conference. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The Big 12, they lost, uh, you know, Texas and Oklahoma next year. Uh, I, and the thing is, it's like they're looking at it now and they know it's not good. When it actually happens, it's going to look so much worse. And that's where they're going to, you're going to see some, some people starting to panic. It's what are we going to do? And if I could, if yeah, I could I, follow up, uh, do you think we're headed toward three super conferences? Uh, Matt made this point earlier of, of 20 teams each about, and that the three super conferences will end up being the SEC, Big 10, and Big 12. Good. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, SEC and Big 10 are going to do whatever it takes to stay out on top. And if, they look at something and go, okay, this model just makes too much sense for us and we can make more money. Yeah, they're going to do it, you know. So if you have, say, a wing of, uh, of the ACC schools that says, hey, you know, we can come and we're going to bring A, B, C, and it, you're going to make a ton of money. Yeah, they're going to listen, you know. Um, I, I think SEC is in such a strong position with all this. Um, 
it, it's going to be really interesting to watch because I kind of speculated before, like if they're going to expand, where would they go? Because it used to be so important that you have to it, the the television footprint. You have to have the major markets. That's I mean, let's face it. That's why Missouri is part of the SEC is because of the St. Louis market, and it's probably the only reason. So, you know, it's say yeah, Miami. And, and not, no, and I, I made the point earlier. The only reason Rutgers is in the Big Ten is because of the New York market. Right. Right. Although, you know, my, my friends from Missouri will point to the journalism program and say that that's, that's another <laughs> reason. So, But, I mean, you look at, say, like a school I think would be very, very interesting. Uh, well, I'll just say two schools, uh, Florida State and Miami, which are in that group, uh, in that ACC. Now, SEC already has Florida in its, in its footprint. So if they had a chance to add those schools, would it really add that much? I, yes and no. I mean, it's obviously big name schools. Um, you know, in, in that respect, it would it would definitely add to the conference. But uh, I don't know how much financially better off the SEC would be having those kind of schools. Whereas, um, you know, I one school that I, I think would be really really interesting is Pitt, um, which is not, if I remember right, it's not in that group of seven. Um, no. Pittsburgh market, you know, uh, you know, Northeast, you know, you start kind of crawling up the East coast a little bit, you know, maybe you get one of the Virginia schools in the DC market. Uh, that's gotta be kind of appealing on some level. So, uh, this, this is, we're nowhere near the end of this. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of talk, a lot of discussion, but bottom line, big 10 and sec hold all the cards and they're going to do whatever is in their best interest. Indeed. Can you hang through another break with us, please, Chris? Yeah, I talk too much, so uh, go ahead. No, you don't. No, you don't. Uh, I just I want to get into baseball and see where Alabama is, especially following the incident with Coach Bo. So we'll get into that on the other side of this break as you listen to Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Goodfeet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com.
Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Occasionally cloudy with scattered showers and thunderstorms around through tonight. The high today, 81. Tonight's low, 64. Similar weather tomorrow. Partially sunny, scattered showers and storms developing by afternoon. The high at 82. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 77 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Before I get it, I want to ask you about Alabama baseball. But first of all, I want you to tell us a little bit more about what you do and the reporters you've got covering everything. Oh, Bama Central. We're your Sports Illustrated home for all things Crimson Tide. We're the only website that covers, you know, anything beyond really football and basketball at, at uh, the University of Alabama. So baseball, softball. Um, gymnastics, we have beat writers and, um, you know, big, big, uh, big week or two coming up here for baseball and softball. And we will be following both teams, um, uh, throughout the postseason. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I think with both of them. All right. Uh, since the Bohannon deal, Alabama has won five of seven. Uh, their only losses are to Vanderbilt and Texas A&M on the road. Uh, they took both of those series. Is this a different Alabama team right now than it was following the LSU series? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. It's uh, we we posted this. Um, we had a, a segment the other day on our site. We call it Five on Five, where we kind of post some things that we're hearing that you know we you know we can't get. Normally with, with our stories, we get two people confirming, you know, we lock stuff down. And, and uh, this is kind of one of those things where we're like, this is what we're hearing. Take it for what it's worth. And um, in that we had, we've been told by a couple of people that, that the difference in the, the Alabama locker room was significant. And the words that were used were um, breath of fresh air um, kind of thing. And this team is playing differently. I, I don't think there's any any doubt about that. Um, you know, it, the the right that RPI it's, it's like it's tenth or something like that. That which is just incredible. Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, they're playing they're playing great, obviously. And um, they uh, wrap up the season at home against Ole Miss. If they have a good weekend this weekend, and they have a good showing in the SEC. We can see Alabama baseball hosting a regional, um, which blows my mind. You know, just um, just incredible the, the the way the turnaround that that's going on. Is there uh, any update on Brad Bohannon and the, the fallout from the the gambling scandal? No, nah, Alabama is being very tight lipped about that. There are some um, some other things that. Um, 
I don't think that, that are going to be earth shattering. You know, some of the details I think still have to come out, but um, uh, it's our understanding is that the bet that was made um, that he was talking to the guy on the phone, it was, it was a big bet. Um, it wasn't like a small thing. And that's, that's how, that's how it got flagged. And so, it was a bet. Uh, it was a bet for Alabama to lose, right? Uh, I, I believe it was a bet. Yeah. Bet for, it was uh, for LSU to win. And I mean, LSU was number one in the nation at the time and Alabama's pitcher was not going to go that night. Um, so it, it's, I think really the, the big detail at this point that we have to learn is, you know, was, was Bohannon in on it? Was he going to get a cut or was he just, you know, talking to somebody and said some stuff that it really shouldn't have said, you know? Um, but you know, we'll, we'll find out that'll come out. Hey, the spring meetings are coming up here for the SEC in Destin. Um, got any idea what the top three or four topics might be? Oh, big! Uh, the first one's going to be scheduling. You know, how are they yeah. going to do this? Um, they they're out of they're basically out of time. They gotta they gotta put it together and um, come up with a format. And once they do, the schedule will come out uh, be announced pretty quickly, I think. But are they going to go eight games? They're going to go nine. Um, you know, they're definitely, you know, as, as we're seeing with the ACC, you know, divisions are going to be gone. You're going to have the top two teams overall um, in the conference play for the, the conference championship. Uh, the thing that, um, you know, it, it's that kind of strikes me, you know, I'm looking at like Georgia's schedule and Alabama's schedule uh, for, for next season. And Alabama's schedule is much, much tougher. The, the, the West is much tougher than the East. So, Alabama's schedule was actually going to probably get a little bit easier um, when when they go to this, uh, you know, non-division format. But, uh, you know, they, it's, I think there's some frustration with that and that um, it, it, the inequity that we've seen in the divisions. And, and so it's there, I don't think there's any way that divisions are going to still be around after uh, next season. So, Chris, uh, I know you have insight on this. Uh, who's Alabama's starting quarterback going to be? <laughs> Sorry. That was, that you was are, Lars. How often do you get asked that question, Chris? Uh, not as much as, as, as you think because I don't get out that much. Um, but it's, we did a family Mother's Day thing, and sure enough, it, it, hey, who's going to be the quarterback? It's like, I don't know. Let, let's at least get them all on, on, you know, on campus first before we start speculating about that. Um, you know, it's the guy that they're bringing in from Notre Dame. He's worked with the offensive coordinator before. I mean, they're bringing him in for a reason. He's going to be challenging, I think from day one. And, uh, it's, I, I don't think it's going to be decided necessarily even by the season opener. Um, but this year is going to be different from other years, uh, in that, I mean, granted, you want to have stability in, you know, in your offense and you want to have, you know, you want to know who your go-to guys are, you know, the quarterback is, who the offensive lineman is. My guess is right now the offensive line is going to be set pretty quickly once we get into fall camp. Everything else is just going to play out over the course of the season. And, and that means running back, wide receiver, maybe even tight end. Um, the guys who are the starters at the beginning of the season are going to be fiercely challenged at all those spots 
And you're, you know, you're going to see some, you know, if guys aren't performing, if they aren't doing the little things that they need to be doing, they're just going to turn to the next guy and say, show us what you got. It's a very, very deep team. Were you surprised that, uh, just same with the quarterbacks, of course, were you surprised that uh, both Simpson and Milro decided to stay and didn't get in the transfer portal? Well, Simpson's, I mean, he's a freshman. Um, well, redshirt freshman. So he's kind of get his chance. And you know what? I, I, I don't know what the word is. I, I, it's not spunk, but something like spunk. Um, I, I like, I, I like the way that he, it, you know, the way he's a gamer, you know? Um, and I, I, I think eventually he's got a really good chance to be the starter. Um, yeah, I do too. You know, Melrose Bill, Melrose is the front runner. I mean, he's getting his shot. The the quarterback Alabama, he's got to take it. Um, and and granted, he's only a sophomore. But if you know, if we go through the season and say the guy from Notre Dame comes in, wins the job, yeah, we're gonna you're gonna see a couple guys leave very quickly. But um, I you know I think Simpson's got a got a got a good thing going. It's just he's really young. Uh, hey, thanks for your time. Uh, y'all are old enough to remember the Mary Tyler Moore show. Uh, mm-hmm. Lou Grant I'm from Minnesota, hated, man. Lou Grant, <laughs> Lou Grant hated spunk. <laughs> That's right, he did. He interviewed Mary Tyler Moore. I hate spunk. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got to get out of here. Thanks, Chris. Take care of your kids next week. Thanks, Chris. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye-bye. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lisa Ann thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzen and Main. And if you haven't tried the Mizzen and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of RR Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to RR and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around, and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience. Experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. 
the children's music and dance teacher who couldn't cha-cha. I was always on my feet. It was just so painful. Elisa couldn't let her students down, so she stepped up and went to the Good Feet store for personally fitted arch supports. I would work an entire day, and my feet didn't hurt at the end of the day. That was when I knew, wow, these are different. But the really good part? It's good to be dancing together again. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Presented by Home board. Thank you again, Haley. Hey, welcome to the second hour. Matt, Lars, Christian, Joe, our gang is here. And I'm just looking again at the box score from last night's NBA conference final between Denver and Los Angeles. Nuggets won it 132-126. Lakers put up the jaw, put up the good fight. But when you look at a guy that runs a line score like this, 34 points, 21 rebounds, 14 assists. You know, that's the kind of performance where your opponent, an Anthony Davis, can ring ring up 40 and it's not going to matter. Christian, I know you're a Lakers guy, but, man, the Nuggets with with Jokic are going to be very difficult to handle. Yeah, and we knew that, Matt. We knew it was going to be a tough challenge, but – um, I thought AD did a great job. I mean, he did what he could. Um, hell, he dropped about 40 points, I believe, himself. Um, so the two heavy hitters played great games. Austin Reeves had a really good game. LeBron uh, about had a triple-double. Um, they just, you know, fell short. But it definitely was a valiant effort on their part, uh, almost coming back. I think at one point they were down 21 points in the third quarter. Um, and then to come and, and be within three uh, with about a minute or two remaining in the game, they gave themselves a chance and almost, you know, uh, snuck away with a win in, in Denver. But unfortunately, they fell short. But I think this is going to be that, that type of series. You know, it's it's going to be a very difficult one. They're going to have to do whatever they can to stop Jokic. But I'll tell you this, Matt, what they did, that late game adjustment and uh, in, in terms of the way they defended him, 100%. really, really set them up for success. And I think... We all know this. Game ones are typically like a feel-out game. They're kind of feeling it out. Well, I think they finally found out the best way, or at least the best approach to defend him, and that is keep Anthony Davis in the paint, protecting the rim, and have a big guy like Achimura on him, and then have Anthony Davis come in and, and give like that that support, that double team almost. Because um, once they started doing that late in the game, it really uh, caused uh, fits for, for Jokic. And I, I think Going forward, they're going to probably stick to that the best they can um, because they had a lot of success doing that. And um, 
the only thing is obviously Denver is going to realize that and they'll probably have a counter. But overall, Matt, it's a really good game, really good game one for a conference finals. And uh, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see how this plays out. But overall, a really good game one. Yeah, I, I, I think if you're a Lakers fan, you, you got to feel pretty good. But I got to get to LeBron James in a second. But that that adjustment that was made by the coaching staff of the Lakers was brilliant. Uh, once they uh, just made sort of Anthony Davis a uh, like a free safety, right in the paint. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's right. Uh, Jokic, you know, he was shooting like eighty percent or something, and he finished two for six because uh, Davis was just a, a rim protector. And it, it was like uh, they're almost playing with four defenders on the perimeter, right? And just letting one Denver player kind of run free. And, and Davis just, just planted himself, uh, essentially. And just they, they, <laughs> the Lakers just said, hey, no more easy buckets, right? No more getting to the rim. Um, and it worked. I mean, it, it was one of the most, uh, I mean, it, it was most in-game adjustments are like hard for, uh, you know, just a regular fan to see. But this was so obvious and it was so effective. And, and you're right. It'll be interesting to see what Denver's counter move is uh, to that because it, they certainly will have one. But to me, this is a, this game, uh, the Lakers were ready to steal it. They were ready to steal it. Down 21 on the road is going to be this uh, epic comeback. And LeBron James gave it back. I mean, he just gave it back. <laughs> You're talking lost, about him throwing that video? He lost his mind. I mean, it was just... Uh, uh, a painful failure to to, to watch. Uh, you know, it, 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 look, he's their best player, and 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 uh, and 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 he he played great for the almost the entire game, and he did exactly what Christian, you and I have been talking about. He was going hard to the hole, going hard to the hole, and then with forty five seconds left. Lakers down by three. James has the ball in his hands at the, the at the like about 26 feet away. There's time on the shot clock. What does he do? He jacks a three. I mean, just the dumbest shot I've seen in a long time. He had missed his previous three pointer. Wasn't even close. And then he didn't make uh, one last night. What? He didn't make a three last night. He's really been. Oh, struggling. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. He missed both of his three pointers. I'm sorry. Yeah. So he's really so been struggling. So he's zero for two, and I don't know if he was just tired, or because every time, man, he would go to the hole, he would either get fouled and go to the free throw line, or he would make make a layup every single time, and instead he jacks the three, clanks. Uh, Jokovic uh, gets fouled, and then uh, you know um, suddenly the Lakers are down five. But uh, well, then he also had the ball swiped away in the paint when Austin Reeves uh, tried to dish it to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had two. 
uh, errors. So, but I have a couple of theories. And I'll let you. I'll let you finish. Oh no, I'm sorry. That, that that was it. I, but really, it was that that first shot was just. Uh, it was just it was a. Bad. It was a horrible decision. It was a horrible decision. Well, I got a couple of theories, right? At number one, I think you're you're on some. Maybe he was a little tired. He kind of just wanted to pull up. Number two, you ever have it where sometimes like, because he's been struggling from three, and then you you get have that mindset where you're like, oh, it's even, whether you're on the golf course or whatever, you kind of you're in a slump, and you're like, all right, it, it's going to turn around at some point. It's got to turn around. Yeah. Or maybe he was thinking, all right, here's that time, you know, it's going to turn around. I always or say my, shoot, shooters got to shoot. Yeah, yeah, shooters got to shoot. Then my third theory is I almost wonder if sometimes he gets caught up in the, you know, there's always debates on, oh, is he clutch? Does he have a clutch gene? And I feel like, because we see this very often, there's always, you know, crunch time moments or clutch moments where he likes to just, you know, throw up a shot. And I almost wonder if, if, if he's doing that because in his head, it's like he feels that's the expectation for him. Because if he's going to be the greatest, he has to make these shots, these clutch shots, when it, when it matters most. Um, because again, I, I can't. I mean, I don't understand why he would do that. Like you said, there's plenty of time. Austin Reeves was on fire. Austin on Reeves fire. couldn't miss. And <laughs> we, yeah, and, and we know if he drives the ball, I mean, he at least can get to the, the, the you know the free throw line, or he can dish it out. I mean, get Austin Reeves an open shot. I'd much rather have that than him throw up a shot. I agree with you, Lars. That, that that was that was deflating for me to see because yeah. they they did they had a valiant effort to come back. They did all these things, and then it's like you decide to just throw that shot up. Like just why? I don't understand. Yeah, and and to me, Christian, it's almost like this is a more painful loss for the Lakers because they almost had this epic comeback. And Absolutely, it took so much energy to get back in the game and then just to come up a little bit short because your best player makes a bad decision. Um, and, and, uh, but on the bright side for the Lakers, they found something right that to, to slow Jokovic. Yeah. And, uh, and, and again, we'll see what the counter move is, but the, I mean, the Lakers, I'm sure they're thinking what's, what's going to be our counter to their counter. Right. I mean, they, they know, they, they they just need to ad needs to just stay in like again like two feet right in front of the basket and just not let Jokic uh just just dominate that area and uh i mean he swatted away a couple and he uh had some steals i think and and he just made life very difficult for him and and if you can minimize his impact, I think the Lakers have a chance. Now, one final thing that's not in the Lakers' favor is that in each of their first two series, they have won their first game, game one, on the road and then went home and were able to just kind of go back and forth and win it at home, close it out at home. And now that formula doesn't exist. So, in uh, and, and Denver's only lost like I don't know four times or something at home this entire season, so you only get four cracks at Denver. Uh, you got to win one of them, and they lay, they let one get away last night, Matt. I think there's one thing we have to consider when it comes to that particular defense the Lakers laid on Denver last night is you're subject to get fouls in that. And and AD could pick up a bunch of 
can pick up some fouls real quick. And uh, you got to consider that when the guy also is, le- is putting up 40. So, and it, it is an point. interesting chess match to watch, though, to see how the Nuggets will counter. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought Anthony Davis looked great. Um, and uh, I can't believe he scored 40 and they didn't win. Excuse me for interrupting, but that yeah. just my mind. Yeah. Um, I mean, gosh, both teams were just shooting lights out. I, I, I think, uh, and Christian, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I think the Lakers, they, they need to slow the game down. They, they don't want to get in a in a, uh, a, a all-out sprint up and down the floor with this Nuggets team. Uh, and it, and I, I, one, because of conditioning, and it, it, will, it will be interest, interesting to see, not conditioning, but just the fact you're playing at altitude. Um, it'll be interesting to see like how their bodies respond. I know they get a day off and they play tomorrow. But uh, how how much energy and how uh, their legs sort of uh, react uh, in, in, in on, on uh, tomorrow night? But do, but Christian, do you, do you think they need to for the Lakers play it at a slower pace, or, or should it should it be a track meet? Uh, I, I think they're more built for a slower a slower pace, or at least just. Uh, a little more developmental offense only because I mean, you're talking about you got LeBron uh, who's 38 years old Anthony Davis he's a younger guy but and he's athletic but if you watch the Lakers sometimes it seems like they get gassed pretty quickly um, so I, I would agree with you in, in terms of letting it develop plus I think their style of play is you know feed Anthony Davis the ball in the paint LeBron drive the ball either get to the free throw line or dish it out, create open shots for the, for the supporting cast. Um, and then and when they're firing all cylinders and they're playing their game, they're a really tough team to beat. It is yeah. when they kind of get out of their element, they start jacking up shots, playing too quick, that I feel like they kind of get out of sync and it's easy for them to fall behind. So I have to agree with you on that. All right, guys, let's uh, pay tribute to some of our sponsors and get back. I have a, a huge, huge question of, uh, of great order when I get back concerning uh, elementary school lunches. How about that? Also, <laughs> uh, the Aaron Judge ordeal, maybe that was wrapped up in a comment by the pitcher from the Blue Jays. We got a lot more coming up on Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. 
1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Next, this is Reagan, owner of RR Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to RR and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around, and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination from our home base right here in birmingham alabama we are here treating patients from every generation across the united states and from around the world as respected industry leaders we are here working hard for you in an effort to provide you with excellence in sports medicine excellence in research and education and excellence in sports injury prevention we are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Occasionally cloudy with scattered showers and thunderstorms around through tonight. The high today 81, tonight's low 64. Similar weather tomorrow, partially sunny, scattered showers and storms developing by afternoon. The high at 82. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 79 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Hey, listen to Big Ten Sports, Lars, Christian, Matt, Bill Gaither. Thank you for joining us. And also the presentation of the show by Haley Stansing from Union Home Mortgage. Uh, just a quick story outside of the world of sports. You're just scrolling through and kind of doing your research. And uh, this one little story pops up and it says that uh, United States officials are considering banning chocolate milk in elementary and middle school cafeterias. What the hell? Do we not have bigger things to worry? The border's out of control. Our cities are in chaos, and they want to stop chocolate milk. I'm sorry. I just had to go on a little rant. <laughs> that just it makes no sense to me. Sounds like somebody was a big chocolate milk guy uh, back in the day. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> no, they didn't even serve chocolate milk when I was in school. That's how long ago it was. They just had the one offer. You got a whole milk for a nickel, just like Opie Taylor and Mayberry. No, I feel for my grandkids because they always get it and they love it, having it at lunch. But um, just to ask, um, when I was young and like in elementary school, I believe that our lunches were paid for. You could bring your own, but you had to pay a nickel or a dime for milk. Um, and it was the same meal for everybody. Uh, was that the way it was with you or Lars? Cause you're not that much younger than me. Um, uh, yeah, it was, yeah. Same meal for it. Yes. Uh, and, uh, I always brought cold lunch, so I never had hot lunch. Uh, my mom always made me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every single day. <laughs> when I like something, I like something. And, well. uh, Peanut butter jelly sandwich and uh, some chips and uh, a, <laughs> a nutter butter. Uh, well, a lot of peanut butter in your lunch there. <laughs> That's right. Uh, a Christian had those little favorite cutout frozen peanut butter jelly sandwiches. Oh, the Uncrustables. Now, I will, 
I uh, sometimes my mom would would pack me was not she would always want to pack me extra lunch because she knew I I like to eat a lot, so she'd always try to pack some extra stuff. Um, but that wouldn't really be like my main lunch. My main lunch was just school lunch, um, and we'd always have like a variety, I guess, um, of things that you could choose from. Not like a huge variety, but you kind of go through the line, you kind of pick and choose what you want. Um, but that's how we had it. And then in high school, our junior year, we were able to have off-campus lunch where we could actually leave campus and go get lunch. Yeah, yeah, we could. And and there was an Italian pizza place right near the school called Shiano's. Um, We used to go to a lot. There was a gas station called, uh, with a, it was called Jimmy's Mart. And they used to have, like, I'm a a big, I love slaw dogs. Uh, And I don't know, when I say slaw dogs, I'm talking about a Carolina-style slaw dog with chili, mustard, onion, slaw they sold you know? those at Jimmy's Mart. Oh, yeah. So we used to go to Jimmy's Mart um, or we had cookout. Uh, cookout is, you know, from Carolina. So we used to go to get cookout. But, yeah, so in high school, we had it made. We you go to Chick-fil-A, wherever we wanted to go for, for lunch um, after your junior year. Wow, we never had that. I don't think I can remember in my entire school uh, ever even bringing a lunch from home. I just always took what they gave us and I was on – now they're trying to take away chocolate milk. So uh, there's my complaint <laughs> today. Um, you know, we talk a lot about Aaron Judge and the look, the glance. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays pitcher, Jay Jackson, is now coming out and saying he was tipping. So, um, Lars, that pretty much squashes that argument in a heartbeat, doesn't it? He was tipping. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't. What, what do you mean by that? Okay. Uh, sometimes you you have just a major, a minor, minor change in your delivery when you're throwing a fastball as opposed to a curveball or a slider. You, the the delivery may come. You may you may have a certain twist. Your arm may go in a certain direction. You may even you might even kick different. Or uh, believe it or not, one of the biggest tips is um, watching the pitcher. With the you know you put the ball in your glove, and where he can't see, but you twist it in a certain direction to get that perfect grip on it. Sometimes uh, you yeah, to grip on the slider. Sometimes you take too quick to grip on the fastball. And now you can go back, you can video that, and you can study the heck out of tipping. And uh, evidently, that's what Aaron Judge and that's and then plus, as I think Jackson mentioned, and the announcers mentioned after the game. They threw him a room service hanging curveball. So that's probably the reason that he tipped. Maybe maybe Judge got it. But Judge is a really good home run hitter, too. So I don't yeah, know. So, okay. I, 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 sorry. I, so pitcher Jay Jackson, um, yeah, he – I I, I, I I just didn't understand what the question was. Sorry, but um, he said it was like when the ball was coming when he was throwing, and then the ball was coming from behind his ear. Right. Uh, it was the time from his uh, set position, from moving his glove coming up from my head to my hip. He said, and it was on on fastballs. He was doing it quicker than on sliders, and and Judge picked up on it. So it was just, it was in his basically in his throwing motion, and Judge knew exactly what was coming. And uh, boy, but that 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 takes a really discerning eye to uh, 
to figure that out. Um, because I, I know the last thing you want to do as a pitcher is like to have a tell, right? To have or a tip. And, uh, and, and that's why you always kind of want to vary, right, Matt, you're the baseball guy. Uh, you always want to vary your delivery, uh, of, uh, of a fastball or delivery of a, of a slider or a curve or, you know, uh, off speed, whatever it's going to be. You just don't want to have that, that, the, the, the emotion that, or, or just have a motion that is completely consistent no matter what kind of pitch you're throwing right you want to be as one dimensional in your delivery for every single pitch you know you want to just keep doing the same thing but not that we're going to do a deep dive on this but there are also a lot of other tells and tips in baseball uh back when i could actually run a little bit you could pick up tips on when a pitcher was going to throw over. And as a consequence of that, when you get a jump, knowing that he's not throwing over, there's a really good chance that even a guy like Matt Coulter is going to steal a base. And then you can also read shortstops and second basemen and tips and which way they're going and who's going to field a ball if it case hit to that side or the other side. The game is full of them, and it's not just pitch to batter. It's it's quite intriguing when you get down to it. And again, I'll I will um, endorse a book that Lars has as well. It's called Minute Work by Will Rogers. What's Kyle? Help me. What's uh, uh, by uh, uh, gosh, you get, you're, George Will. George Will. George Will. Yeah. But it's incredibly detailed. Uh, put your thinking caps on. But when you finish, you're going to know more about baseball than everybody on your block. Well, this is a in your neighborhood. This is a really interesting subject, and it's one that um, I've written about in football, uh, and it, about different tells and and um, and and just uh, like teams picking up practice squad guys and from a different team that they're about ready to play. We mentioned that for the Bengals and Chiefs, but 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 Christian, do you remember any specific tells uh, that would clue you or your defense into what was coming? I mean, I, I I'm I'm certain there was, right? Absolutely. Come on now. Yeah, we always look for we we go over this uh, the night before we play a game. Um, we literally have like a whole. Um, we do it what we call one reel is where we kind of go over uh, like some hypothetical play calls versus certain sets. We put on the tape, we make our calls and communications. We'll have guys read out their birds and rabbits reports or read out third down reports, tendencies. So yeah, we look for all that. That's why I was saying, I mean, I think that's standard. I think if you want to be a good athlete, you need to do stuff like that. You should be trying to gain an edge. I'll give you an example. Here we go. My football reference, like usual, um, as a defender, um, if you if you key the offensive lineman, right? If they're sitting on their heels, right? If it, like if they're they're sitting yeah. back, right? You can you can get uh, you know tips and, and and tendencies based off of that. Like if a guard is sitting on it, if a guard is if you if like if I'm at the edge, right? And I'm playing defensive end. I look and I see that that right guard is sitting light in his stance and he's lined up. His toes are on like the heel of the center. He's off the ball a little bit. He's pulling. I know he's pulling. 
I, I can call that out. I can alert that. That can and then that can lead if you know he's pulling uh, you, some run plays. You can normally his counter, right? You can expect a counter coming from that, or you can just look at what they like to run when they pull. Um, some other tendencies might be uh, the back position, his depth, right? So if I, the if the running back is lined up to the left of the quarterback, what's the only direction they could run the football in a handoff? To their right or our defensive left. So yeah. then, you know, you see what I'm saying? So you can look at that or his depth. There's different levels. Normally, if the back is flat with the quarterback, that typically means run. If he's a little more, has a little more depth, right? Uh, or if he has depth, like downhill, that means run. Excuse me. If he's more flat, you can expect it to be more of a pass because he's in position to pass block. He wouldn't, why would he pass block with a lot of depth? That would be, that. Would, you see what I'm saying? So yeah. if you look at the, the, the position of the back, it tells you a lot. If you look at the way the, the offensive linemen are sitting in their stance or their depth, that tells you a lot. Receive, the receiver splits can tell you a lot. So that's a long-winded way of saying, oh, yeah, we look at all that. Inside linebackers look at it. Defensive linemen look at it. Safeties, corners. The best players are, tr- are trying to get tips. And so I think that's probably, obviously, Aaron Judge this big, strong guy. But I wouldn't be shocked. Maybe he's just really good at, at, at picking up on tips of pitchers. Yeah. Um, because that alone can help you uh, be a tremendous player. You might not even be. I'm telling you, some of the best football players aren't the biggest, aren't the strongest, aren't the fastest, but they're the smartest. Just like you look at a guy like Luke Keekley, Granted, he was one of the greatest athletes I've been around. But his, his intellect and his instincts, the guy would know what's coming, which would lead him to, to making big plays because he knows to play pre-snap and he can be fast, physical, fly around without having to think because he already knows by looking at the tips and tendencies pre-snap. Uh, I have a couple more questions for you on tips and tendencies and for Lars too. We just kind of uh, fell into a really interesting uh, topic as far as I'm concerned and we'll pick that up on the other side of the break as you listen to Big Noon Sports brought to you by Haley Sansing. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Packers. And, um, and, and, and right before the playoffs started, Denver snatched John off of the practice squad and put him on their practice squad um, with the thought, I later learned, that they, uh, Denver may end up facing Green Bay in the Super Bowl. 
Well, that's exactly what happened. And, and John was on the Super Bowl roster. He didn't dress, but you can see him on the tape in the, uh, on, on the sideline. He's got a huge chew in his mouth, but he's standing next to Greg Robinson, who is the uh, defensive coordinator uh, for the Denver Broncos. And John is analyzing very quickly what uh, set like how how um, the the Packers are are lining up and I- anything he can get, uh, and then he would literally shout out the play that he thought was coming. And I ended up talking to Mike Shanahan about this years later, and he told me that John played a critical role in helping to win that game because Denver had a real good idea on defense of what was coming and the Broncos end up winning the game and the Super Bowl 31-24 and uh you know John's uh, place in history has pretty much been forgotten I, I've written about it a couple times but um I, I just found it, it fast fascinating just the the sort of tricks that go on uh, in, in the NFL to try to gain an advantage. And again, you can go back and in, even in just like the, the, those 30-minute uh, highlight uh, recaps of Super Bowls, it, uh, it was Super Bowl 32 uh, on January 25th, 1998. You can go back and you can see John. Again, look for the guy who's got the big dip in his mouth. It looks like he's got a whole tennis skull <laughs> and and uh, and he is just screaming out every single every single snap before every snap what he thinks is coming. Hey, uh, Christian, we rolled a break. Do teams ever fake tip? They try and catch you. I'm sure they do, Matt. Um, maybe not so much with those type of tendencies by the individual players so much, but I'm sure the the offenses. They'll try to get tricky, and they'll line up their backs or, um, or other players in certain positions that typically they'll be, you know, and and, and try to confuse the defense. I'm sure they do that. Uh, but, again, it, it, you got a good chance, at least if you follow the tendencies on film. So if they get you a couple of times, that's all right because um, you'll, you'll definitely benefit from picking up on those tendencies. But, yeah, that's that's a great point, Matt. They do Matt, that you, 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 in the end, you'll get more – you'll get them more than you get them. Or you'll get them yeah now they get you yeah now that you say that what they might do is they might change it up a little bit right they might say all right we'll put the back here but instead of how we typically do it we'll change it up just for this game plan uh, but then they, they risk getting their own guys confused and in, in, in difficult situations because you know what I mean you can't change too much uh, but yeah they they football is a chess match so you gotta do what you can to get that edge. All right. Hey, good topic. I'm glad that just kind of popped out of uh, Aaron Judge and Jay Jackson. So uh, all good on Big Noon Sports. We'll be back. Uh, I'll kind of clean out the mailbox here and we'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of Big Noon Sports. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian.
The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lisa Ann thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good, until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Hey, DC here. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of r Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to r and and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Occasionally cloudy with scattered showers and thunderstorms around through tonight. The high today, 81. Tonight's low, 64. Similar weather tomorrow. Partially sunny, scattered showers and storms developing by afternoon. The high at 82. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Hey, about to wrap up Big Noon Sports. Appreciate all of you dialing us in. Remember our website, www.bignoonsports.com. Follow us on Twitter at Big Noon Sports. You know, guys, we talk about him often because he's worth talking about that. And that that's Charles Barkley is just a treasure. And quite honestly, I'm so proud that he's from Alabama, from Leeds to Auburn, that it makes me really, really happy when he says stuff especially this one. I don't know if you saw it. I just found it on my internet here. You remember a couple of weeks ago and the Winnipeg Jets were playing in NHL and Morgan Barron took a skate to right above his eye and had to get 75 stitches. Do y'all remember that? I don't. I don't okay. either. Well, he, like most hockey players, you know what he did? He went back into the clubhouse he got 75 stitches and came back out and started playing. You know, that's kind of the hockey wow. player play if you follow the sport at all. But Charles Barkley said, I saw a guy get 70 stitches and come back in an NHL game the other night. I was like, yeah, man, if an NBA player got 75, he'd retire. <laughs> that's just funny. That sounds about right. Uh, yep. They're uh Y'all, if you, I've been around hockey players a little bit in my life. They are a different breed because they are just a notch below vicious on the ice. Uh, they're goons. They're scorers. I, I still would maintain they are some of the best athletes in all of sports. But I also found a way 
they would rather do anything than have a confrontation with me, with the fan, uh, you know, with anything. Uh, what a dichotomy they serve as far as in character during game and, and off. I don't know if you guys have been around hockey players or not, but I found that to be true. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't covered much hockey in my life. Uh, did a story on Mario Lemieux once years ago, but, um, you know, I'm friends with, with guys who have covered hockey for years and years. And just in broad stroke uh, generality here, hockey players are the most pleasant to deal with if you're a media member. Yep. Uh, and uh, the the worst by far are baseball players. Uh, and I, I sort of have a theory about that, and that is uh, that the, the, the baseball players just never have gotten the proper training because so many of them go straight to the minors right out of high school and they just don't develop sort of the the social skills that are necessary to do a, a decent interview and and treat people with respect Keep beating up and, on my baseball players we're gonna lose I, it out I, i've had some horrible experience i you, you know matt you know i i i i've got story after story after story of baseball players including guys like barry bonds just treating me like garbage, you know, and, and getting in my face for having the temerity to say, hey, Barry, you got a couple seconds? I mean, come on. Maybe uh, it's because you uh, use the word temerity. <laughs> well, uh, no, the, the thing is his dad, it was in spring training, and I won't go into all the details, but his dad, Barry's dad, witnessed it and um he felt so he apologized for his son for the behavior of his son and uh and then it actually worked in my favor uh i exploited that <laughs> the, the fact that the dad felt bad for me and we ended up uh talking outside on in the in the bleachers for about uh hour hour and a half and and certainly got more out of that interview than I ever would have out of Barry Bonds. But um, yeah, anyway, and, and there was a reliever for the Orioles. What was his name? Like Myers? It was his last name? Well, there was a Myers was part of the New York Mets bullpen. I wonder if that's what you're thinking. Yeah, well, it was, it was some reliever for the, the Orioles. Uh, I thought he was going to punch me. And all I did was ask, was say, "Hey, my name's Lars Anderson. Can I ask you a couple questions?" And, then, and he just got in my face and just was a complete, you know, you know what. Um, but anyway, that, that that that's my experience with. Uh, I mean, I, I've got others with with baseball players, but by and large, for whatever reason, Matt. Hockey players have a really good reputation with reporters. Well, you know, we've what had football? teams here. Have football, football guys, football players, I, I, I think football are great. I mean, I, I have... Uh, I can see it I can see it being in between. I feel like some... So I, I don't know how to differentiate for different sports, but I can see it in between. Real quick, I just want to squeeze in. Like always, big thanks to my friends over at the Good Feast store. If you're in any type of pain and want that to be eliminated or alleviated, 
head on over to Goodfeet in Midtown Village. That's Goodfeet Midtown Village in Tuscaloosa, or go to goodfeet.com to schedule an appointment. It's try before you buy. You've got nothing to lose. Again, that's Goodfeet over in Midtown Village in Tuscaloosa, or goodfeet.com. That's Goodfeet, improving the quality of people's lives two feet at a time. Lars, I, I, I hope I hope football did has been good to you, though. Same with you, Matt. It has. It has, especially at the University of Alabama. Everybody's treated me well, always. Every I've well, not they, had. They have good training, so that would that would that would be <laughs> right based off your theory. Coach Saban has been awesome as well. I mean, everybody, everybody. Well, I think a lot of those people want to represent their program well, whether or not they're in college or they've gone on to the NFL. Um, I, I think that's true. Christian can get in that more tomorrow. Also, tomorrow starts the PGA at Oak Hill. Go JT, go JT. Goodbye on the show back in 22.